I am super excited about this new series. And I, I probably say that every time I start a new series. But this one, for me, is really at the essence of understanding who God made me to be and who God made you to be. Who's heard of the Archibald Prize? Yeah, the Archibald Prize. So it's awarded to the best Australian portrait painting and it's awarded every year. And it, it got me thinking about it because I think it's coming up in sort of May, I think around about April or May it, it gets awarded. And it got me starting to think about um, people's work, the, 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 if you like, the, the creations and the, 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 the way that people kind of understand and can come up with a blank slate and, then, and draw something beautiful, these works of art that people can do. And this happens kind of right throughout the world. It's not just the Archibald Prize, but we see works of art expressed in different ways right throughout the world. And although artists create many works, there are some artists that are identified by one particular piece of work. We often call that their masterpiece. You've heard that phrase before, haven't you? Their masterpiece. Well, let me, let me help you with this. If, if I put this image, no, when I put this image on the screen, the Mona Lisa, whose masterpiece is that? You can shout it out. If you're not sure, just go and it'll blend in with everybody else and you'll seem really smart. Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah? It's his masterpiece. He, he painted lots of paintings, but most would say that's his masterpiece. If I put up this particular painting called The Starry Night, or Starry Starry Night, does anyone know who painted that one? Vincent, Vin, no, it wasn't Picasso. Vincent Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Very good. Very good. All right, let's stretch it a little bit. Some of you are good with the painting. What about this one? What about The Thinker, which is a sculptor? Roden, very good. Very good. I'm not sure. I think this, this side might be a little bit more um, cultured. <laughs> this side, maybe not so cultured. All right, let, all right. <laughs> Ken's moving sides. For those of you on podcast, you mightn't have seen that, but Ken got up and moved the other side because he's cultured or he wants to rub off a bit of culture. All right, let's see if we can get this one. The creation of Adam on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Who painted that? One, two, three. Now we all stand cultured. Well done. Very good. So there's, there's paintings and there's, draw, there's drawings and there's, there's sculptures, but art can be expressed in lots of different ways. This next image is actually words to a song, and the song is called Amazing Grace. This is the masterpiece of whom? John Newton. Very good. <laughs> those, of you didn't get, those of you who didn't get it, you need some glasses. <laughs> So each of these, I should have put a line through that, shouldn't I? I didn't think of that. But each of these are known as the masterpiece of a particular person. It's, it's their kind of, the thing, they, they might have done lots of things, but there's one thing that they go, when they created this, it was their absolute masterpiece. Let me ask you this question. What would you say is God's greatest masterpiece? He created so much. He created the heavens and the earth. It's incredible. Think about it. I mean, if I think about the sunsets as I sit on holiday and I watch the sunset over a beach, it's like this beautiful picture. God's creation. God, beautiful. That could be it. Or maybe, maybe if you've snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef, 
You might look at that and go, wow. And you might, I know for me, when I, I just think about God's incredible creation, his, his masterpiece there. Or, or maybe Mount Kilimanjaro, or maybe it's the Niagara Falls, or, or the Grand Canyon. Or some have gone up to, I think it's Alaska and seen the Northern Lights. You, you think about those, those things that, that God created. Man didn't create them, God created. And you think, maybe that's God's creation. The psalmists tell us that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. So maybe... Maybe if the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, maybe God's masterpieces of a night when you get out and you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no sort of street lights around and you look up and the, and the sky is just full of stars. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can, you know, on a summer night I can sort of lay down and look up and just get lost in the stars. Maybe, maybe that's God's masterpiece. Have you got your Bibles with you? Are we going to read through the part of the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, where he actually describes God's true masterpiece. God's true masterpiece. And it's in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And I want you to receive God's word into your heart right now. Paul writes this. He says, For we are God's masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That's from the New Living Translation. The the New International Version puts it this way. For we are God's workmanship. For we, you and I, are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father God, this morning as we unpack this core text, I pray that these would not just be words that we'd walk away from and think, wasn't that a nice thing to read? Wasn't that a nice thing to unpack? I pray in the name of Jesus that we would receive from you what you want to say to us about how you see us, how you created us, and who we are in you. We're your masterpiece, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. How cool is that? In everything that God created, he looks at human beings. He looks at you and I. Look to turn to the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. And the person on the other side that you think not so much, call them a workmanship. (laughs) Do you know... Do you know, you might think, oh, workmanship, I'd rather be masterpiece than workmanship. You know the word workmanship is, the Greek word for workmanship is poema, where we get the word poem. Now turn to them and said, you're God's poem. How cool is that? Catch this this morning because this is so important because we're talking this morning about identity and our identity is in Jesus and he says, he doesn't say, I look at you when I see... He says, I look at you when I see masterpiece. I see workmanship. I see a beautiful poem. We are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And I've got to say, I believe God is smiling right now. He's even rejoicing right now as you and I start to discover that we are a masterpiece to him because I don't believe we live like that. 
And I think it's time for us to not walk around, you know, proudly get out of the way of God's masterpiece coming. Just stand clear. Here I am. That's not what I'm talking about. But we need to understand who we are in him. Because it's not us that makes us a masterpiece. It's the creator. We're going to unpack that right now. I wonder if you believe it. I wonder if you would let your heart receive this morning that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by our God. Because I know right now some of us in this room feel anything but a masterpiece of God. You feel anything but fearfully and wonderfully made. You feel, some of us feel more like an accident than a masterpiece. Some of us just feel like I'm just, I just am. I'm just, I'm just here. Some of us feel like a fish out of water in life. Some of us feel like a round peg trying to be pushed into a square hole of life. That's how we feel. This morning I want to say we've we, we got to stop living by the way we feel. We have to start living by the truth of who God says that we are. We have to start living in the truth of who God says that we are. And when we do that, you watch him open up our lives. But some would struggle and say, I just don't know who I am, Murray. That's all well and good, but I'm puzzled. I feel like I'm in a puzzle of life. There's a Gallup study that was done in 2016 talking about the different generations and they were talking about the millennial generation who were people born between 1980 and 1996. But I wonder whether the facts that they came out about the millennials flow even further than that. But this is what came out. that said 86% of school leavers don't really know what they want to do when they finish school. I know that was true for me when I finished. I had an idea, but I wasn't sure. You see, millennials... It's important for them what they do with their lives. They don't just work for a paycheck. Millennials want a purpose. They want to be part of something that has meaning and has mission and has purpose. And I don't know about you, but I think that resonates with a lot of us in this room, not just millennials. I mean, yes, sure, a paycheck's important, but I want my life to mean more than just the money I earn. I want to have a purpose. You want to make a difference. But many of us would say, that's me, Murray, but I don't know how. And this morning we're going to start to crack open what God would say about how we discover how we can do that. See, God's not a joker. He doesn't create us and then go, great, created, good luck, off you go now. He creates us, but he creates us with a plan and a purpose and a hope and a future and a destiny and a direction. And then he says, will you take my hand and will you let me show you what that is? And today, for many of us, will be the start of that journey. Jesus is a great example of this. Jesus took some guys who were feeling exactly the same way. They were feeling purposeless. They were feeling unfulfilled. They were looking at their life and they weren't seeing fruit coming out of their lives. And Jesus changed their lives forever. He took a tax collector and he took a few fishermen. And they'd never seen the truth of who they really were or what they really could be. They were going through the motions of life. And when they looked at their lives, they saw limitations and they saw boundaries and they saw stop signs and they saw flaws. Is this relating to anyone in this place right now? But it wasn't until they met Jesus that they started to see themselves through the eyes of their God. And everything changed for them. Everything changed. Because they stopped looking at themselves through their own eyes and they started looking at themselves through the eyes of the Creator. 
It's a bit like this. I don't know about you, but you know, you get up in the morning and kind of, you know, you kind of thank God that you've made it into another day. Thanks God, I'm here. And you get up and you sort of walk walk to the mirror and wash your face and look up and I don't know about you, but I get a shock sometimes. Whoa, more wrinkles, more grey hairs. You know, we see, when we look in the mirror, we see pimples and we see wrinkly and we see floppy and we see fluffy and we see flaws and we see scars and we see imperfections. And I know many of you can add some of those words. Yep. That's what we see when we look in the mirror. Can I tell you what God sees? This is what God sees. When, when you look in the mirror, he sees overcomer. He sees beauty. He sees purity. He sees workmanship. He sees warrior. This is you. This is not the person next to you. This is you. Well, it is too. But this is you. He sees conqueror. He sees his son. He sees his daughter. He sees a royal heir to the king. He sees powerful. He sees potential. He sees called. He sees much loved. He sees masterpiece. I remember Kaz was sitting down with a young teenager um, a few years ago. We were in Melbourne, sort of working through some stuff. And he said to her, he said, he said, she said to her, she said, what do you see when you look in the mirror? And she shared some of the stuff that she saw. And Kaz said, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to get your lipstick and I want you to write on your mirror these things. And she got her to write down words that God saw in her. Beautiful. Overcomer. Child of the King. And she said, every morning when you get up and you look at yourself in the mirror, the first thing I want you to do is read those words. Read who the creator of you says you are. How many know that God never takes a selfie of you that he doesn't like? How many take selfies and go, no, take another one? (laughs) Take another one. Take about six. Take Take a dozen. We'll find one in there somewhere. God never takes a photo of you. He doesn't take photos, but you know what I'm saying, don't you? Everyone's perfect because you're in it. God doesn't create anything without value. He's the ultimate craftsman. Yeah, we don't see it that way. The world sees people and sees things differently. Let's look at it this way. In the Old Testament, the world saw David as a shepherd boy. God saw him as a king. The world saw Abraham as a childless old man. God saw him as a father of nations. The world saw Moses as a stutterer. God saw him as a leader. The world saw Mary as a teenage pregnant woman. God saw her as a faith-filled mother of the Saviour. The world saw Peter as a hot-headed, impulsive fisherman. God saw him as a world changer. See, we've got to stop listening to what the world says about who we are. We have to start connecting in to who God says that we are. God sees the potential of Jesus in every single one of us. Say that again. God sees the potential of Jesus in you. We need to take the blinkers off and our prayers need to be, God, will you help me to see me through your eyes? You see, there's only three ways that we can live our lives. Three ways, three S's that we can live our lives. The first one is survival. 
survival. I just got to I just got to get through this day. I've just got to survive. I've, you know, the, the, that's the sort of person on Facebook three days till the weekend. It's kind of like I'm just surviving till the weekend, and then I've got two days to to live, and then I'm surviving for the next five till the weekend. We're looking at the clock. We're, we're, we're waiting for knockoff time. We're, we're asking, what's in it for me? That's the attitude of somebody who's just surviving, just getting through. Now, I know there are moments in our lives where we just have to try and survive. But that's not the lifestyle God wants us to live. But it's one way some of us may be living, to survive. Secondly, we live for success. Some of us are looking for success in every moment of every day. We're looking for the next win. We're looking for the next pay rise. We're looking for the next better car. We're looking for the next time somebody will, will affirm me. And encourage me and see me and know me and recognize me. We want to be recognized by others. We want to be seen as a winner. We want to see as successful. We want to be seen as better than someone else. That's the success. Survival, success. But you know, God is calling you and I to live a life of significance. Of making a difference. Of being fulfilled. Of being fruitful. Of having a purpose. Of having a reason. That's the that's the the S that God wants us to live by. A life of significance. A life of significance. And you know the only way that we can live a life of significance is to discover and live the purpose that God's given us. And the way we do that is not to look within. It's to look to God. King David knew this when he wrote one of the most famous psalms, Psalm 139. I love this psalm. I'm going to read from verse 4. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. King David says this. He's, he, he gets this revelation of a life of significance. And it's his, his song to God. He says, God, you made all the delicate and inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Again, that word, your workmanship is marvelous. God, you were there while I was being formed. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. You are not an accident. Whether your mother and father planned you, whether you were called by other people as you weren't planned, this is an accident, God knew. And he formed you and he fashioned you in your mother's womb for a purpose and for a destiny. Yet fear and doubt hold us back and we've got to push through it. Let me, let me help you to see this is the case, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You so say it's easy to see the gifts and the abilities and the calling and the passion in others. We can look at the world and we can see people like Brene Brown, who's, who's a writer and a communicator, and we'd say, oh, she's got a real gift in communicating and influencing. She, she does a lot of TED Talks and she writes a lot of books. We see someone like a Richard Branson who created the whole Virgin movement, um, and he's a creator and an entrepreneur and a businessman, and we see him and go, we can see that he's a guy who's really, who's really a dreamer and creative. We can look at a guy by the name of Daniel Finn who created Thank You Water, you know, the business, thank you, water. And we can say, here's somebody with a real mercy heart and a heart for injustice, and you can see that in him. You see Billy Graham and say, well, yeah, Billy Graham, I remember him. He, he had a real gift of evangelism. And go, of course, yes. Yeah, but Murray, they're, they're, they're people who are out there. They're the untouchables. 
Well, I wish I could talk to you this morning personally and tell you, have God revealed to me exactly what it is for you? But can I share some of what I've seen in just 14 months of being in this church? I see someone like a Daryl Vanderclay or Anita Lotter in work, in business and in education and I see leader in the way they go about their business, the way they go about the education. I see Cora and Audrey Van Bruken and I see a heart of mercy as I hear stories of their ministry and their mission in China and their heart continuing in China. Or a Melita James and the work that she and so many others do in English to the refugees. See, this is gifting and this is passion and this is what God sees. And I say these names and you go, yeah, that's right. I see Peter and Jan, Jan Hicks and Ben and Yoko Pillen and I look at the way they connect with people who are new. Heart, they're part of our next steps ministry, which I want you to go out and see. And I see the way they connect. I watched one of these couples dancing on, uh, at the bush dance on, um, on Friday night. And the fun and the joy they had as they were connecting with people. I see Christine Spur and Jodie Brumpton and, and, and their heart and their passion and their gift in hospitality. Where they come and they serve and they don't just go, they're close enough, good enough. But they go above and beyond because that's the gift that God's given them. And there's a reason and a purpose that they bless others when they use those gifts. I see Denise Hogarth. And Alex von Zanten, and I watch them around people who are either new to the faith or not yet Christians. And the way they draw close and they encourage and they come alongside with this beautiful heart of evangelism. And if you're new here and you're just hearing names, then I just want you to know these are the people that are part of this church. And if you're thinking about being part of a church, this is a great church to connect in. Because we have so many people with a passion and a gift to follow and serve God. And I'm going to keep going because I want you to know that just because I don't read your name out, your name is here. And God knows what that passion and that gift is. And he wants you to discover it. He wants you to start using it, not just in the church, but in the world. You'll, you'll realize some of the people I've mentioned, they use their gifting in the church, but they also use it in their workplace. I see people like Warren Savile and Joe Hill and 90-year-old Alan Meir out in the garden serving with a heart to say, how can I serve? And they just come and they serve because they have a gift of service and a heart to serve God and to serve people. I see Paul and Jen Fedema with a beautiful gift and heart of encouragement and shepherding, coming alongside people, inviting them around for meals, making them feel you know, young and old, not just people that are in their peer influence, but just to reach out and say, I want you to feel welcome here. I see Paul Finch just one of our many worship and creative people leading us in worship using the gift that he has. You'll notice I'm not mentioning our staff. It's not, it has nothing to do with somebody, whether somebody is on staff or not on staff. This is about life. I see Bill and Judy Flett and their heart for prayer and their heart for intercession and the way they press in to God on our behalf. You see, we see that in others. There's none that I've mentioned. I'm sure you'll go, I disagree with that. You'll go, those who know these people go, yes, we see it clearly in others. God wants you to start to see it in yourself. It's important to know that each masterpiece is completely the work of the creator. 
So every name I've mentioned right there, as we mention their name, we should say, give glory to God. Because God has gifted them. See, those gifts are from God. Those passions are from God. The things that you have, those things in your world that maybe some of you haven't even discovered yet, they're from Jesus. They're from God. And he wants us to start to live them out. The Bible is really clear that none of these art masterpieces that I showed right at the start and none of the masterpieces in this room are created by ourselves. We're created by our creator and our God created us for a purpose. And the Bible's clear about it. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. I hope you're starting to get this. I truly hope that your hearts are opening up to who God says you are. Please don't be thinking about others right now. Right now, it's okay to make this particular morning in this moment about you. We don't normally say that, do we? But I want you to make it about you because I want you to know how much God loves you. And I want you to know that God has given you an identity and a purpose and a direction whether you understand it or not. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. It's God who chose us before the creation of the world to be his masterpiece. It's God who created the plan to redeem us through his son, Jesus. It's God who wants us to live a life of significance. And he does that through our shape. Through our shape. S-H-A-P-E. God wants to bring the puzzle pieces of your life together and you don't have to go and say, God, will you, will you bring it? What we need to do is say, God, show me what you've already brought. Because the good news is you already have, if you know Jesus, you already have spiritual gifts. You already have a heart and a passion or a burden that God's placed on your heart to live a life for him. You already have skills and abilities. You already have a temperament, a personality. God's given you life experiences already that you can draw on to make a difference in your life. So really quickly, I'm just going to talk about the, the, the five, the acronym SHAPE, and then starting next week, we're going to unpack each of them individually. We're going to start with spiritual gifts. So next week, we're going to teach on spiritual gifts. If you've never had teaching on it before, buckle up. If you have then awesome. This will remind you of what God says about you. But really quickly, the S stands for spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. What Paul's teaching here is those who don't have the Spirit of God do not have the things of the Spirit. In other words, when we have the Spirit of God living with us, in other words, when we become a Christian, when we ask Jesus into our life, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And in that moment, when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, God's promise is the Holy Spirit brings with him spiritual gifts. How exciting is that? If you're on the journey of faith and you haven't yet asked Jesus into your life, God wants to bring his love into your life. And with his love, he wants to bring spiritual gifts. Now, some of you may have never discovered what they are, but they're still there. They're still there. You see, the definition of a spiritual gift, the biblical definition, if you unpack the scriptures, and I haven't got time to go through every one of them today, next week we'll go through some more, is a special ability, spiritual gift, a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer 
to be used to serve others and to build up and strengthen the church, the body of Christ. So your spiritual gifts, when you discover them, will show you what you should be doing with your life. God, what should I do? What should I do with my life? Well, let's, rather than looking out here, let's look to God in us. What's my spiritual gift? 1 Corinthians, 2, um, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who works in all of us. There are different gifts for everybody, but it's the same God who brings those gifts into your life. And then Paul goes on. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And he goes on to describe some of the gifts. And then in verse 11, he says, It is the one and only Spirit, Holy Spirit, who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each of us should have. The good news is, he never ran out. You know, it's the, oh, yeah, I ran out. I was at the end of the line when the gifts were given out. Didn't get, no, no, no. It might be a funny joke, but it's not true. You have at least one gift from God, spiritual gift that he's given you. And the good news is the church, our role as a church is to help you to discover them. We want to help you discover what they are. And then more importantly, start to live them out and start to use them. The Apostle Peter, writing to believers, Christians throughout Asian Minor, which is now Turkey, about 60 years after Jesus, wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And then he says, use them well to serve one another. Gifts, all sorts of gifts, administration, hospitality, craftsmanship, helping people, mercy, knowledge, incredible gifts, incredible gifts. And some of those gifts are given and then we add to them because we, do, we use skills and we do training and we practice. Let me give you an example. Talk about craftsmanship. This is called a double base. David doesn't know I'm going to do this and I didn't want to embarrass him too much, but David Gascott made this double bass by hand. I think. He's even got his name on it, which I love because you know the maker of us has his name on our hearts. Let me say that again. God has his name on your heart. David has the gift of craftsmanship and he's using it to bless God and to bless others. It's a great example. Now, it doesn't mean we all have to go, but some of us, many of us have different, Peter Roberts has a gift of craftsmanship. I mean, we can go on within the life of the church, but there are all sorts of gifts. Sometimes we think gift and we think prophecy, and that's a spiritual gift. Or we think uh, worship, or we think intercessory prayer, wisdom, teaching, leadership, and they're all spiritual gifts too. But there's also service and generosity, communica creative communication, mercy, and that we're all called to love. We're all called to love. We're all called to be lovers of God and lovers of people. But you see, they're tools to use and not trophies. These gifts are tools to use, not trophies to put on a bench. We need to use them. Really quickly, I want to, I want to touch on one more. Many of you may not recognise this is from God, but the H of shape is heart, if you're taking notes. Heart, or you can write the word passion there. Heart passion spiritual gifts tell us what we do heart passion shows us where we do it 
The heart, the passion that God places in you. Well, hang on, Murray, isn't that just a feeling? Go with me on it. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. God's working in you to give you the desire. What do you think that comes from? Our heart. God places in us. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Guard your heart. Why? Above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. So what keeps you talking late into the night? When you're normally in bed, what's that thing that keeps you up talking late into the night? What, what puts a fire in your belly? What gets you passionate or sometimes even frustrated or angry? And if passion's not the right word for you, if heart passions, then burden. What places a burden on you that you just can't get rid of? You can't let go of? What if God's placed that in you for a purpose? What if God's placed in you a passion for seeing children come to know Jesus at an early age? What if God's placed in you a passion for the lost or the poor and the needy or for the environment or for marriages or for families or for business or for sport or for finances or for the arts? You see, nothing is wrong. A passion's not wrong. It's what you do with the passion. People say, money? Yeah, some people have a passion for money. That's not wrong. What you do with that is when it makes it right or wrong. Because how many know the kingdom of God? We need people who are passionate about finance and generosity to sow into the kingdom. Well, God places that in the hearts of some people. There are people in this room that God, we're all called to be generous, but there are people in this room that have a passion to be generous that goes beyond the norm. Revelation 17.7 says this, God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purposes. Now, sometimes you might get passionate about stuff and you may not have ever realised, maybe that's God. Maybe there's a burden that you carry about a people group or a situation. Maybe that's God. That's the S, that's the H. And then you've got A, which is abilities and skills, just our natural talents and abilities that we've picked up over time. P is personality, and we'll talk about the fact that we're all very unique. We're all made in the image of God, but God created different personalities and temperaments differently in all of us. Some of us are fast-paced and some of us are slower-paced. Some of us are more people-orientated and some of us are more task-orientated. God's made us different for a purpose, and we'll talk about that. And then God allows life experiences. How many know that God never wastes a hurt? He doesn't. I'm not saying he makes all these bad things happen, but if we go through tough stuff, he never wastes it. He's able to turn that around and use it for his glory. And whether it's educational experiences or tough experiences, whatever it might be, he can use those moving forward into the future. So as we close the introduction, and hopefully you're starting to understand that you have an identity and your identity is in Jesus and you're a masterpiece. And not only is it great to have that statement, but he's put stuff in you that we're going to help you to discover over the next few weeks. It's time to stop trying to reshape yourself to be like someone else. But it's time for you to celebrate the shape that God has made for you and to step into it. And we're going to help you on that journey. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look in detail about these five puzzle pieces, S-H-A-P-E, and we're going to help you to bring them together to know your unique shape in Jesus. And the workshop... On the 3rd and the 4th of April, we'll also help you personally with that. And you can register at the um, uh, info counter or you can go to Next Steps and the team can pray with you about that and help you out on, on, on your next step. 
which is just out in the foyer as well. But I want to remind you, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul put it so beautifully. But even before I was born, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. You're not an accident. You were chosen and called by God as his masterpiece. You're one in a kind. No one, no one is just like you. And there's a reason and a purpose. You're special in God's eyes. And there's a reason that there's no one like you. Because God made you like that for a purpose that no one else can fulfill except you. Only you can be you. Just like Da Vinci's, when he painted the one Mona Lisa, others might have tried, but there's only ever one you. There's only ever one Mona Lisa. God has an amazing plan for you to be fruitful and fulfilled. He wants you to live a life of purpose and direction. He wants all of us to step in with him. And as I said over the last few weeks, and to let him take the pen of our life and write the script of our life. But he's already placed some tools, some things in your life, and he just wants you to recognize them and step into them. Would you stand with me? Perhaps for some of us, we've tried it our way. We've tried doing things our way and maybe right now it's time for us to let go of control and say, God, creator, I realize that I'm your masterpiece and I realize you created me. Take my life and use it. Let's bow our heads, Father, in the name of Jesus. That's our prayer. We thank you that we are children of the King. You created us with a plan and a purpose, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. The good news is we don't have to go searching anymore, but as we look to you and see what you've placed in us, you'll show us what you want us to do. And I pray for every person in this room as we go on this journey of discovering our shape, we would know that we would know that we would know that we are a masterpiece created by the King and the Lord, our great creator, in Jesus' name.